This is the Retail Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. We're on that third mega trend where consumers really have taken over the shopping channel. They're walking into stores a lot more informed. We don't hide from the fact that retail is difficult. You know, every day is a challenge, but that excites the customer. They love that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Retail Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. On our show, we've spoken with plenty of retailers about how brick and mortar isn't dying. And in reality, it's just the initial purpose of brick and mortar that I think is dying because customers don't go to the store for convenience anymore. Really, people go to the store for the experience, the vibes, the aesthetic. And a main way to create that experiential value can come through in-store digital marketing. So here to give his perspective on this trend is Trevor Sumner, CEO of Perch Interactive. Trevor, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's been a, it's been a while since we've had you on, uh, so I'm excited to get this one-on-one conversation and really get your thought leadership on the impact of the digital experience in retail. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So I think we've seen great digital signage and retail experiences and marketing has always been behind that. You know, it's not something that's particularly new to 2018 or 2019. It's been around for a little bit. So I guess I want to ask why have this conversation now? You know, what what has changed in 2018 and into the first half of 2019 that really prompts bringing this topic back to the forefront of the conversation in retail? Yeah, I think a part of it is, you know, have we seen really great digital signage? Uh, and what does that even mean anymore? Right? Sure. Because it's it's complicated. You know, we talked to one client who talked to digital about digital signage and said, well, why, why don't I just put channel 17 on the wall? Um, right. And so when I think about digital signage, uh, I think of static media, I think of boring looping videos. There's some things that people are doing that are obviously intelligent, such as putting front facing cameras, segmenting by demographic, playing, you know, one video for... Trevor, a 42-year-old male versus a millennial woman. Um, right. and, and that type of targeting obviously is valuable, but aren't these just the banner ads that we hate in the internet? I mean, isn't this right. interruptive media? So, you know, I would argue that we're kind of entering into a new phase of digital in-store that doesn't have a really good name. In fact, we struggle with it. Um, you know, is it physical plus digital? People use the word fidgetal, hate the word fidgetal. <laughs> um, as a marketer, fidget, it's just, you know, negative. But um, Makes me think of a fidget spinner. Oh, exactly, right? And yeah. you know, while while fun to play with, kind of annoying, right? And, and sure. maybe that yeah. maybe that's where digital signage is coming from, right? It's like fun and you know, it looks attractive, but in the ultimately, it's interruptive media. I am here to explore products on the shelf, to uh, pick them up, to touch them, to try and make a decision on what is the right product for me. And then there's the screen over there that's like telling me who knows some you know looping video channel seventeen type thing. So. I think we've entered a new phase where, you know, where, where that was like digital signage 1.0. And now we're talking about real interactivity, uh, right. about personalization that uh, targets me directly. You know, what we do is we use computer vision to detect which products uh, you're touching. So, you know, if I had, you know, to, to personalize the experience based upon, hey, a 42-year-old male is in front of me versus the 42-year-old male, you know, picked up, you know, this exact product 
and I can message that exact product, which would you choose, right? right? I mean, it's pretty powerful. Like the way we think about it is that you could click on products online to get more information. Why can't you do that in store? And, you know, it's actually kind of weird and even benign that we go into these stores and we have all this wealth of you know, content, ratings, reviews, how-to videos, um, social media posts, uh, cross-sell, upsell, informational, educational resources and videos. And none of that makes it in store, right? Right. And so there's this new kind of physical plus digital revolution happening that brings in all that digital content, but actually makes it relevant to you as opposed to some looping video. And additionally, I think it's it's more than just media, but also marketing applications. So, you know, for Kate Spade, for example, when you pick up one of their Make It Mine purses, uh, it opens up into the thousands of combinations where you can customize flaps and straps and personalize the purse for you, um, including being able to do you know, multiple flaps and straps per purse. So you have kind of like a configurable purse that's like 10 purses in one. And so, and another, you know, for at Mac and Bourgeois or CoverGirl, when you pick up a lipstick, it puts the lipstick on your face. So it's more than just, you know, static media or even like, you know, video, uh, which is a little bit more dynamic, but really personalized to where I am in the shopper journey, personalized to what I'm touching, personalized in the way I can navigate through the information to get the information that I need right now to make this purchasing decision. And that unlocks a whole new wave of engagement in store, increasing dwell times. Uh, we see about 30 to 80% sales lift on all of our projects. So it's, it's, it's great for the retailer because they you know obviously get increased sales lift, increased dwell time, increased loyalty. Uh, and for the brands, you get all of that. And then there's also the, the kind of retail analytics piece. So, you know, I, I feel like this is a new dimension. And so I, I struggle when people call us digital signage, although clearly that's a part of what we do. I struggle when people sure. call us a kiosk because nobody wants to go hang out with an iPad over into the corner. Um, right. So, you know, if you can figure out what this new thing is called, please let me know. But uh, it's certainly, I'm, I'm not going to call it fidgetal. Right. Yeah. It's definitely not fidget spinner signage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, what you're describing kind of sounds like, the retail industry adapting to two different trends. One is the emphasis on data and analytics, and the other is an emphasis on content marketing. Um, you know, on one end, you have softwares, you have different data points that are drawing in a plethora of consumer data, and now retailers are trying to figure out how do we make actionable decisions and personalize the shopping experience with all this data. Then on the other end, retailers are realizing that the end user wants content out of everything. You know, they it's how we watch our media. It's how we check out our influencers. You know, it's how we interact with the rest of the world now it comes through content. Every social media post feels like you releasing a piece of content. And so they want that out of their retail experience too. Is that what you're seeing? Do you think it's a, a mix of those two worlds kind of colliding and coming to a head in retail? Or do you think it's maybe one more than the other? Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I think it depends on the level, right? So initially it's, you know, about the content and driving marketing decisions, right? Like, yeah. so, you know, if you look at this as a comparison to digital marketing, like if your example is, uh, are you familiar with the brand Avino? Um, yeah, they're the um, hand cream. Yeah, yep. exactly. They do skincare, Johnson Johnson. Yeah. Do you happen to know who the spokesperson for Avino is? No. It's Jennifer Aniston. Okay, yes. And yeah, and and so when I, I when I ask people this, 90% of people say I yeah. don't know, and then, you know, of those 90%, most of them say, "Oh yeah, I remember right. that." And it's 
you know, they've spent millions of dollars on broadcast media, digital, Facebook, et cetera, when there are 10 times as many people in store in front of your products than on your Facebook page active last 30 right. days. And if you actually look at it, right, delivering Jennifer Aniston for Avino on a product click, that's, you know, and, and Facebook, that'll cost you a dollar, two dollars a click kind of thing, right? It's actually cheaper to do in store because if you look at the cost of delivering these kind of in-store um, digital displays, uh, it's 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 less expensive on a cost per click basis if touching a product's a click. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, like Facebook is you know, just kind of, uh, uh, you know, you're blasting by demographic. Here you have a person touching your product right now, 20 feet from the point of sale. Right. If there is any opportunity to leverage Jennifer Aniston or whoever your spokesperson is, now's the time. Yeah. And if you can do it cheaper than click with the intent that this person is interested, it's, it's, it's kind of like the best of Google where you have a search-based, intent-based action mixed with the ability to conduct commerce right then and there. And so I think you know, right now people are focused on the effectivity of just marketing and store and the sales lift. And you know, rightfully so, because that's the business aspect. And I think right now people are experimenting mm -hmm. uh, and trying to understand how to leverage these technologies. And we're doing you know, pilots of you know, 20, 30, 50 stores at a time. Um, so that you can start getting a sense of what is it like to operationally uh, roll these out. But the real value, I think, that's going to get unlocked afterwards, after you put this into scale, is the analytics. And, and that, to me, is the exciting part. So, you know, we did, uh, we announced a big deal with Macy's and Jeff Gannett, the CEO, you know, he basically said, okay, let me get this straight. So we're going to create a great experience for our customers. Awesome. Uh, so we're going to be able to uh, get 30 to 80% sales lift. Great. The brands are going to be happy to market through Macy's. Great. Uh, and we're going to be able to get new data for how customers shop at the stores. Okay, now we need to do it, right? And so at the C-level, that data possibility is much more important than often you know, a shopper marketing person just trying to kind of hit their numbers. Right. The, there's a strategic value. So, if, you know, again, I think about it just kind of like comparing it to online clicks is, is the data. Like, can you imagine like an e-commerce site who didn't have, let's say, Google Analytics or Omniture or any web, you know, web analytics? Can you imagine if they were just trying to manage their business by how many people came to their website and sales? Yeah, I mean, it'd be uh, yeah. it, it'd be like totally transitioning the business model and not for the better. Totally. How would you optimize? Right. So, right. Exactly. So, you know, product A isn't selling, so you should remove it. Right. Well, what if you knew that, you know, people keep on clicking on product A, they just never add it to the cart. Now you know that there's something right. wrong with the product page or the packaging, right? So now think about the retail analog of this, right? So retailers, they have all of the like top of the funnel information, like how many people came to the store. That's like your web traffic. And they've got the sales data. And arguably the most important metric is how well you convert traffic into sales, that conversion rate, but they have no visibility into what happened, right? Yeah. So, you know, for example, with Macy's, we're doing, you know, uh, 30 different fragrances. Now you can say, hey, Dior, you know, your, your sales are down because people aren't picking up your, your fragrance bottle. There's something wrong with the bottle. It's not attracting people to touch it, to pick it up. Or, hey, Dior, and I'm not picking on Dior in any way. Hey, Dior, <laughs> you know, sales are down, but people are actually picking up your product. It's just not converting. There's either something wrong with your pricing or your packaging or your messaging, et cetera. So now you can actually look at from how many people pass by versus how many people came to the display versus how many people picked up a product 
How many of those people who picked up the product engaged with the screen information? Of those people, how many people took it away? And then how many people actually bought? And now you can do things like A-B optimization, right? You can start testing different messaging. You can target and segment by demographic. You can do all these things that we completely take for granted on e-commerce sites that makes them more convenient, easier, more effective. And none of those techniques are able to come in store because they're looking at sales data that's a month old and driving forward in their rear view mirror. So I think the analytics for the future will be, and, and, and at the C-suite will be particularly valuable and will be the ultimate driver of our business. In the near term, people are looking at how do we just increase sales, increase engagement in store? What types of content can we deliver and create a better experience for the shoppers? And I think that's right for now. Um, but once people see the data, it's going to be eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the data is what helps you actually make those actionable decisions in a way that, well, you know, there's in a way that creates a real goal in mind. I mean, you know what your customers are looking for, and then you can craft your in-store digital marketing or your your content or the literal products around what people are looking for very tangibly. So, yeah, I totally agree. I think data is the big driver of innovation and, um, you know, the big driver of success in 2019 and beyond for retailers. Um, but, yeah, let's let's focus a little more on how people are actually approaching this in-store digital marketing. So, how are you seeing different brands try their hand at in-store digital marketing? Is it through interactive displays? Is it VR, dynamic art-like installations? You know, is it, uh, I don't know, is it just like at the point of sale that they're trying to engage people with in-store digital marketing and make that more personalized? What are what are the different really successful approaches you're seeing? Yeah, I think, I think you got to ask yourself, like, what is the friction in the shopper journey, right? right. So... Like, why is it that, you know, people are not getting the information they need or um, or the experience that they need to make a purchase? And I think there's been a lot around just doing things that are remarkable or Instagrammable. I mean, I, uh, you know, over Christmas time, I went to a Google pop up and it was like, you know, a miniature kitchen where you sit in this like little, you know, one foot chair and like ask, you know, hey, Google, give me some recipes. Mm -hmm. And it's like. That's cute and everything, but like, is that really a long-term merchandising strategy? Probably not. Um, so I think there's a lot in pop-ups and kind of creating these remarkable brand experiences that are shareable. And like, I get that portion of it, but ultimately you're going to have to solve the core issue of shopping and commerce and physical retail. And that's around kind of creating these experiences actually in the stores and doing so in a scalable way. Um, I think there are people who are doing augmented reality very well. Um, so you know, there's a lot of virtual try-on and beauty because now I can try on a hundred different lipsticks and believe me, I actually have. Um, <laughs> and, uh, gotta it's see pictures watching. of that. Uh, actually, if you go to our, we, we have a webinar on augmented reality and, uh, Brian, our, our, uh, marketing manager, uh, decided to, and he, and he stuck this by me. I didn't realize it, but the picture on the, uh, webinar is, is me with a nice set of lipstick and eyelashes, I believe. Ooh. So if you go to Perch Interactive <laughs> and beautiful. onto our, our resources page, you can see me, uh, you know, with, with a nice pair of lashes and a good lip, good matching lipstick. Uh, uh, I don't worry. I've told my wife. Uh -huh. Um, so, uh, so, so, yeah, but that solved a real challenge, right? If you ask any woman, like trying on multiple colors of lipstick is really hard. You know, you, you, you kind of, you put it on, it smudges, the colors drain, you end up, you know, putting it's unsanitary. Some people put it on their arms right. and, you know, ultimately you can only try a couple different colors. Now I can try a hundred at a time. Um, 
So that's a real challenge. And it's also technically a relatively easy challenge compared to let's say clothing. I've seen people try and do augmented reality, magic mirror clothing, where it's like, oh, turn this dress to purple or, the, and, and just the fit doesn't look right. And right. it's, and you know, it's just, if the garment doesn't look right on your body, that's actually, you know, it doesn't matter that you could magically turn it to any color of the rainbow. It's just, it doesn't look good. And I've seen this right. with, you know, some of the sneaker AR out there. So there's some people doing it well. Uh, the furniture guys who, who are doing augmented reality where you put the furniture in your um, in your space, that is really wonderful um, because trying to visualize, you know, something in a catalog or on the web in your home is always very tricky. And so, you know, those things solve real needs. Um, so the, the VR stuff, I got to be honest, I don't get it. Uh, I don't see why I would go in store, put on a set of goggles um, and, you know, have to experience something. I think that, that where that's going to fit is few and far between. And frankly, you know, the VR goggle penetration right now within the consumer base, you know, one is, is stuck with a specific demographic and two, it's so sparse right now. Like, why am I putting on my VR goggles? Like, I, I still don't get what the use case is for that. Yeah. Um, I think of it more as entertainment. Um, and there's some great entertainment out there. Um, you know, I, I watched a wonderful charity water documentary and, you know, 360 camera VR, um, I've played with the Oculus at Best Buy and, you know, tackled a T-Rex. Um, and, you know, that stuff is fun, but it's really entertainment oriented and not shopping oriented. Right. And the people who are creating VR experiences for commerce. Like, you know, if you think about like all the things that somebody's done for their e-commerce site to make it, you know, frictionless, you know, authentic- authentication, you know, cart abandonment, all those type of things, cross-sell, upsell. There's going to be so much infrastructure to build within a VR environment and to get that right. I think we're five, 10 years away before we ever really do any meaningful shopping on VR. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the biggest barrier with VR is just the goggles themselves. Like the, the fact that you have to put on a piece of hardware to then immerse yourself, especially when you're in a retail environment, like other than the sheer novelty of, oh, cool, like you can put this on and then interact with the environment in some special way. Like I, I don't know if that is actually converting to sales or if that's converting um, to customer engagement. Like it might be a cool bonus, but you basically what you're saying is it's not, um, it's not an approach that's actually going to lead to, um, to anything worthwhile or like anything that's scalable. Yeah. I, I just think the use case is rare. I, I can't explain it. Now I'll give you another example where it's, it's probably more friction than use case. Uh, and I'll get, I'll get into probably a lot of trouble because it's so you know hot as a technology, but voice, right? So you, you'll see all these stats on, on voice search and it's exploding number of devices. And I have two Alexas in my home and I have yet to buy a single thing. Uh, and in fact, I think the studies show that something like less than you know, 10% of people who ever bought something ever bought something a second time and it keeps on going down from there. Yeah. Um, it's just too hard right? It's too hard to navigate through to, to figure out what you're buying. And like, you know, just imagine like, I, Alexa, please buy brawny paper towels. Okay. Do you want one pack, six pack, three pack, 36 pack? Do you want the double ply, the single ply, the super dry? The, the, I like, forget about it. You know, yeah. it's going to be some type of multimodal interface, but that really has to do again with a lot of what the frictions are that the idea is right around creating convenience. And I think, you know, a lot of what we're doing is like, how do we make this more convenient by bringing you the right information at the right time in store? Because 
that's really what you're trying to get at, right? And, you know, when you pick up a product, it's like, okay, great. There's this universe of content around this product that I would love to bring in store, but I, you know, what am I going to tell you? Please, you know, pull up your mobile phone and search for Bronny 36 pack and, you know, et cetera. Like once I've got the mobile phone, I'm probably on Amazon. I'm probably not on your app. And do you really want me walking around with my mobile phone, knocking into people? So I think it's, a really hard value proposition that we've got to find a better way to bring digital in store that's relevant to people, provide the information in a way that's frictionless, surprising, and even delightful. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where we focus. Yeah. Well, yeah, it can't be another barrier to the experience. Um, if anyone's going to invest time and energy into bringing this kind of technology into their store, it's got to feel like an integral part of the experience for the end user. So give me, 100%. yeah, give, yeah, yeah. Give, right, so, give me an example of of one implementation that really works, that's really seamless, and you've seen elevate the experience for the customer, create more engagement, and in turn create more sales. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the answer is a, a little bit of all of them. I, you know, it's it's like having to pick between your children. Right. But it turns out I. <laughs> I do have a favorite child, uh, <laughs> and and it is Joe Malone, uh, and it's this really beautiful millwork cabinet of fragrances. And the moment you pick up the fragrance, the backlit screen animates into honeysuckle and lemon, or sage and wood, Ooh, and yeah. it's just gorgeous. And it creates, it's just, it really opens your eyes to the vast possibility. You know, we talk about ratings and reviews and various different information. Um, and that's you know really helpful, but from an engagement and like artistic perspective, Joe Malone's great, and that you know shows about twenty percent sales lift, eighteen hundred percent ROI. But you know even Johnson and Johnson, you know when I yeah when I pick up like the the Tylenol knows I have aches and pains, and it sells me you know Bang Ben Gay, and uh, if I pick up a Band Aid, it'll sell me Neosporin. Um, yeah, and and you know it's it it starts understanding what my needs are, and I you know. I think there's just such a tremendous opportunity. We're doing work with Invisalign to help you kind of imagine your new smile at doctor's offices. Um, so there's just so many opportunities to bring digital in store. Um, we're doing work in the cannabis industry right now, which is obviously very hot. Um, and if you think about it, you know, people go and think about CBD products and they're like, oh my God, does this get me high? Right. Can I do this at work? And <laughs> right. are you, are you going to tr- just trust the sales associate to be like, no, 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 you're fine. Right. Meanwhile, you're worried about getting fired. Right. right? right. So now, you know, with each, you know, you touch a tincture, it explains the difference between tinctures, capsules, vaporizers, when you use e- each of them. It's like, it looks like it's medical and certified and, and, you know, is right. So, you know, Anything where you need education, like that, I think the amount of education and engagement that consumers actually demand at this point, based upon mobile engagement and their five hours a day on their phones, or you know, just their their consumption of content marketing, uh, you just need to bring that in store. So uh, I love all my children. Uh, you know, even Joe Malone is certainly like head of the artistic pack, but right. you know. It's it's little things like I'm now I now use Ben Gay yeah as a 42 year old male and I'm I'm, I'm admitting this on camera on 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 a podcast <laughs> um, and it's because you know I picked up the Tylenol for aches and pains and it was like hey if this is about muscles you should try Ben Gay and I was like hey that's old man cream and then I was like well I'm an old man and I play basketball and I have aches and like now I'm a Ben Gay user right. but that's because it hit me with the right message at the right time 
and understood my needs. And, you know, that's, that's what marketing is, right? And, and that's the opportunity to really become dynamic with media and applications that, you know, is opening up in store. For sure. So I'm interested in how this trend is affecting the professionals in the space. Um, do you feel that this push for in-store digital marketing, even if it is kind of in its infancy, at least in kind of a, a standardized approach, do you think it's having a tangible effect on the industry and specifically forcing marketers and retail to sort of reframe how they approach their entire marketing strategy? Well, I think people are reframing their their entire approach for the marketing strategy right now, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, re regardless of in store digital, I think I think people are reframing how they approach marketing to be more content driven. Um, I think that is sort of the the standard we're seeing. Um, but then, you know, even deeper, this is like a, a marketing strategy that also requires. Um, you know, layout for the actual in-store experience to be different. It requires some some tech installations, hardware installations. It requires the actual content to be created, the animations, you know, how you want the sensors to actually interact, what data you want to pull. It's it's a, a large project, but it, it obviously has pretty tangible results. So I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, are the professionals in the space um, – kind of reframing how they approach marketing to look at it from that holistic perspective that it's not just the content either it's how the content interacts with the hardware and how the hardware interacts with the content yeah i mean look there there are definitely dynamics that are that that you have to take into account but you know we're the difference about us is we're integrating all of this digital into your existing shelves right yeah so like if you've ever seen the loge you know end cap it's just a simple you know uh modular shelving system and we can integrate Perch directly into that, right? So like, you don't have to move around your aisles. The only thing that we do need is power. So for people who don't have power, that, that can be problematic. Um, but outside of that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you, we, we don't ask you to shoot new content. We right. have, you have all the content. We just need to put it in our CMS. Like what's the product video? What's the product image? What are, what's the title of the product? And then, you know, we just create a template and, you know, for example, Macy's, the 30 fragrances that we're featuring, you know, all the fragrance companies just dragged and dropped it into our CMS. And that was like done, right? It's mm -hmm. not, it doesn't have to be a big undertaking. And one of, I think the big failings of people is they think that you know, they, they don't understand that the perfect is the enemy of the good. They think they have to get it exactly right. And like everything, like let's, do, let's design some clever interaction and yada, 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 yada. I, what we have found is that, you know, just the act of putting like your product video, the moment the product is touched has remarkable impact and lift, yeah. right? And so, you know, we get people are like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I integrated to my customer loyalty program and then you put in your cell phone number on screen and then it would give you a special price. And I'm just like, dude, no one's gonna use that. Yeah. You know what? Like, like if you took like the happy path through this, like, okay, you're showing some media, what percent of people go to the screen? What percent of those people will enter their phone number? What percent of those people will look at your price right. and then print out their coupon? Like this, too many steps. Stuff, too many steps, and, and you're you're getting caught in the details, right? And sometimes just providing you know a surprising experience with just the basic information formatted nicely and and designed for interaction in store. That's all you need to do, yeah. and it doesn't have to be hard, right? And and that's one of the things that we're doing, which is. We don't want to replace your end caps. We integrate into your end caps. We don't want to replace your shelving. We integrate into your shelving. We're not a retail display fabricator. We use your retail display fabricators. We just sent some drawings on how to integrate some screens and sensors, and boom, you've got you've got this going. Like Joe Malone, 
we can retrofit a cabinet. We can go in, you know, one night and the next morning it's all set up and you already have the content. It's ready to go. All our stuff connects via 4G to the cloud. You can manage it remotely so you can update it. I mean, how hard is it to constantly change merchandising and cardboard and something like 60% of the cardboard signage that gets sent to retailers just goes directly into the trash. And you think about how wasteful that is. Like, wouldn't it be nice just to have a digital canvas that you can update, you know, in real time? You talked about social media. Like, what if, you know, what if, you know, in real time, you know, uh, a celebrity wears your, you know, um, you know, your, 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 your piece of clothing or you get influencers whose content you have the right to use to that you want to bring in store. Like, how are you going to do that now with cardboard? Right. Most people can't react in real time to a lot of this. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think digital creates uh, a whole new uh, platform for you know developing and 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 making it easy to deploy these experiences, um, and it doesn't have to be hard. So, Trevor, as we look to wrap up the podcast today, um, I'd like to get just a little more insight from you, kind of in a teaching moment here. So, we've talked a lot about what works well in the in-store digital marketing experience. We haven't really talked too much about the big mistakes. We talked about how, you know, VR isn't as amazing as people seem to hype it up to be. Um, but let's get into some of the the actual mistakes. Let's get into the, the trenches here. So what are the biggest marketing mistakes that you see retailers make if they don't approach the digital in-store experience correctly? And how should they go about avoiding those mistakes? Yeah, um... Uh, they're, they're, wow. You know, this is the wild, wild west. Yeah. Um, you know, people are implementing new technologies all the time. And, you know, and, and the t- part of the challenge is, is that there's so many competing technologies to choose from that it's hard to figure out what's the right one and how to test it. And so one of the things that I find is that people see a cool technology and they're like, oh, we got to implement that. And it's like, well, what problem are you trying to solve? It doesn't matter. Let's implement it in store and see what happens. Right. And, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a role for that, right? But there are plenty of in-store technologies that you can implement right now that address real problems. So I would start with the problem first that you're trying to solve, right? And you know, the you know, technology first is great to get a sense of how to use the technology or build some kind of core competency in a technology set that you think is going to be strategic long term. If you have the luxury of being, you know, store number five at Walmart. Um, uh, where you can look five, 10 years down the road. In the near term, like there are real issues and challenges that your shoppers have, real frictions in understanding brands, understanding products, going through the shopper journey. And start with the problem that you're trying to solve and then figure out the right way to solve it. Um, I think that's number one. You know, there's just too much stuff like technology for technology's sake, you know, right. like, ooh, like, you know, just bad, bad experiences or experiences that just aren't relevant. It's like, you know, look over there, like, here's this novelty, uh, but doesn't really, you know, solve the shopper challenge. And then the second one, which is really the hard thing for retail is navigating the organization. Um, And so, you know, there's so much churn in retail organizations that, again, the perfect is the enemy of the good. You know, we've had so many projects where people are trying to nail down every little detail and over the course of them, you know, kind of going back and forth over three, four months, you know, their champion leaves. I mean, the the, the retail uh, tenure, you know, in a position is 12 to 18 months, which means like every month there's a 10% chance your person's leaving. 
And so if you wait three months, that's a 30% chance somebody's out of there. And if you have to rely on three people, you know, there's 30% chance that, you know, that, that this is just going to go by the wayside. Right. And then I think, I think the other part is aligning the organization on what the purpose is, right? We see a lot of people are like, I would love to do one perch. It's like, well, that, okay, what are you trying to, what are you trying to prove here? Right? So if you're, if you're doing a single installation, you can prove that it like operationally works, but no one's going to believe the sales lift number. When you show 30 to 80% sales lift, they're like, well, you know, that's a flagship store. That store had a good season or, you know, we've got rains and floods. There's so many things that can affect it that, you know, if you're trying to prove the sales lift to the organization, you have to do a meaningful test of, you know, 20 stores minimum. And so, you know, getting the right commitment level for the organization to prove like, like scientific method. My hypothesis is, you know, if perch or whatever your in-store technology is can drive 30 to 80% sales, if we should deploy this to X hundreds of our stores. Sure. Right. And so starting with the wrong test and then spending three months developing it, you know, another three to six months, you know, you know, measuring it, you know, by that time, just for the same organizational churn reasons, like the whole landscape has changed. Now you got to start from scratch. And I see people who just don't commit to it. Or we, we get a lot of like, hey, I'd love to put Perch into our innovation lab. It's like, if you want a deer head trophy to put on your wall, like <laughs> just get a deer head trophy, yeah, right? right? But like, if you want to learn how customers interact with digital, if you want to see if this actually drives sales lift, you just got to do it. And the reality is the fixed cost of deploying these projects, both internally and with, you know, anybody like us, it's just, you know, you, for two X, the cost, you can do 10 to 20 units versus one. So, um, I, I think right sizing what you're trying to do and making bold choices and making big bets, being unafraid to fail, like th those are hard things for organizations to adapt to. And that ultimately I think will be the the big challenge for a lot of the retail industry is building that agile mindset, being unafraid to fail, taking bigger bets um, and enabling people on the front lines to make those bets without having to worry about, you know, their pensions or repercussions or, you know, having to get, you know, a hundred different people to sign off on the TPS reports. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think it all boils back down to having a goal in mind and sort of realizing what your problems are or what the pain points are before you roll out anything like this. It's the same thing when you're implementing some kind of AI or you're implementing um, data aggregation software. You know, you need to know what you're looking for before you start looking for it, uh, even though that's difficult and requires a, a lot of pre-production, really, you know, for, for rolling something like this out it's going to save a lot of trouble by forcing you to be proactive with mapping out this strategy. Yep, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, Trevor, I feel like we've gotten a pretty good deep dive here into the impact of in-store digital marketing experiences on the retail industry. Um, and, you know, before we close things out for the day. Um, you know, I know Perch Interactive is obviously really trying to lead the charge here um, by pushing forward innovative solutions, partnering with big brands, and really trying to be that voice in retail to help everyone take the next step into a more digital reality for brick-and-mortar stores. Tell me a bit about how Perch Interactive has been recognized for this work and uh, what you think that means for the future of Perch and the industry. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think, um, you know, we certainly win our share of rewards, which are nice, right? We won sure. the, uh, or we got honorable mention for the Fast Company Innovation by Design Awards by for our work with Kate Spade. Last year, we won uh, the Edison uh, Award for Retail Innovation. You know, previous winners were Nike, Apple, Disney. So that was, that was pretty heady. Um, wow. You know, we've, We've got two current um, deployments that are the finals for the Glossy Awards. So, I, you know, I feel really good about that. And, you know, ultimately, this is a real testament to our customers and, you know, the and the work that they've done to 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 move forward and, right. and move their organizations forward. So, actually, today is the uh, retail innovation conference from Retail Touchpoints and uh, Nada Devere, who's the head of beauty for Macy's. Uh, is being honored as the retail innovator of the year, um, specifically because of kind of like the work that she's done in Perch and, and some other projects as well. Wow, that's um, awesome. Because, you know, she, she she basically committed to this in a, in a big way to redefine the way fragrances are marketed at Macy's where they have a large market share. Um, and to really be able to push an organization to adopt that type of innovation. So, you know, that stuff is not easy. And that's the really human element to all of this. It's, it's very easy to say that this company should do that and this company should do this. And, but like, it's the people behind it and the mechanics to making that work. That's, that, that's the real human aspect. And behind all of these great projects or great awards are people who are fighting for projects in a, in a very difficult retail environment where it's competitive. There's a lot of different technologies vying for the eyes of retailers and brands where right. people are under a lot of scrutiny for financial performance, for you know, impacting their customers. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the awards that we get are really about our customers and, and the way that they've been able to see the vision and, you know, implement it in a way that actually impacts the business. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned being people focused and people first, and I think that's super important, mostly because what you're offering, you know, the services that Perch Interactive brings to the retail industry are all about being able to better reach people, read people and use technology as a way to, get people engaged. Um, you know, it's it's not about the flash. It's not about the novelty or the tech itself, really. It's about blending it seamlessly into an experience that from the content marketing to the aesthetics to the presentation to the actual people in store, whatever it might be, you know, it's all focused on, on really appealing to the individual. And uh, I think that's what's driving retail and marketing forward for the future. And it's definitely really exciting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a whole new dimension to visual merchandising. Um, and just the way that we think about how we interact with products in store. Yeah. Um, and just a whole dimension, you know, physical plus digital and all the assets that you can bring to bear. And really thinking about what is the conversation with the customer with the right message at the right time in a way that's seamless to the customer that they actually benefit from it, unlike interruptive media. Um, and I, I, I think it's so powerful and I think it's inevitable, right? You know, if you look at the future of physical retail, you know, 10 years from now, just throwing products on a shelf just doesn't seem right, right? <laughs> like right. there's, there's going to be media. Like people talk about the store is media, you know, You've got all these direct-to-consumer brands who have kind of struggled to get beyond their initial scale because online-only marketing, you know, turns out to cap out your customer acquisition costs get too high. So they have to open up stores. Stores end up increasing online sales by 38%. And so, like, this notion of store as media, as customer touchpoint, 
well, if your store is media, then why is there so little media in your store? In the future, <laughs> right? In the future, it's very clear that this wealth of content will get to you in one way or another. And I think that's going to be the key element to a whole new dimension of visual merchandising. And uh, so it's, it's really exciting. It's really exciting to think about changing the way that people shop, changing the way that people market their products in store um, and the, you know, all the work that we've been able to do. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Retail Podcast. Really enjoyed getting to chat with you again. And, you know, I think we're going to continue to see the way people shop change. Um, You know, it's not set in stone. And as technology changes and as consumer habits change, we're going to see new needs. And it'll just be exciting to see companies like Perch uh, be at the forefront of that change. So, yeah, looking forward to getting you back on because I think there's plenty left to talk about. So till then, thank you again, Trevor, for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.